How's everyone doing? Good. Good? Ready to hear from God's Word? Yeah. Okay, Mark. Mark. This morning, chapter 14. Mark 14. I am excited. Definitely a message I've given this morning before. Just a different slant on it. But one I think we all need. Mark chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 32 to verse 42 this morning. Yeah, Josh, if you can just close those doors, that'd be great. I want to lock them in this morning. <laughs> the conviction comes, you can't run away. <laughs> No, you can open those doors if you have to. Um, just keeps a little of the noise out. Verse 32, Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, and he and his disciples, he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. He said to them, My soul is farther. He fell even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther. He fell on the ground and prayed that if it is were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said in verse 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for him, for you, excuse me, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Verse 38, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, some of the other Gospels give us a little more detail on this event, but I was reading in Mark, and it came to my mind, so I read Mark, and I just want to repeat verse 38 and focus on those words today. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. As we start... I want you to know God is very serious about sin. It's not something that he just passes off. Jesus thinks sin is such a danger that he would warn his disciples about temptation to fall into sin. Sometimes when we hear teaching on grace which I'm a grace teacher and I love grace, we lose sight of the devastation of sin just because God's grace is so important. But I wanted this teaching to start this way, to tell you 
that sin is destructive, that sin is not something God wants in your life, that sin is never something we can justify. And that's really important. Sin is serious business to God so much. In Matthew chapter 5, if something is an addictive sin, that Jesus would say through the Holy Spirit, and we know it's the heart, but he would say, cut off your hand if your hand caused you to sin. He didn't mean for you to cut off your hand, but what he's saying is, this is serious business. And so you need to deal with this. And sometimes when I deal with people who are, have difficulty with sin, and they justify it, and they come back, oh, again, I failed. I like to be willing to have radical change. You will beat radical sin. And sometimes it's very difficult at the beginning. But I want to tell you that Jesus knows that sin is destructive and he doesn't want it a part of your life. Do I hear an amen? Okay. Now, sometimes when we think of the word sin and temptation, we think of the big ones. <laughs> right? We think of lying, stealing. We think of alcohol or drugs. We think of abuse. We think of, wow, I don't want to do that. But I want to tell you that sin is a lot more encompassing than we would say the big ones. Sin can be, and most of the time in our hearts, is wrong thinking, is negativity. As we talked last week, is complaining, is selfishness. I heard a sermon once that said, it is easier to get someone off drugs than to take pride out of someone's heart. And I believe it's true. Because it's deeper rooted. It's more difficult. But that sin, in God's eyes, is just as destructive as what we would classify the big one. So as we begin this morning and we teach on temptation, I don't want you to think, well, I'm not tempted with lust or pornography or alcohol or getting angry, so I'm okay. No, this word is for each of us. And maybe anything that brings you any form of conviction in your life is God warning you about possible sin. Little white lies, little pride, little selfishness. We want to deal with those things because God knows they're destructive to us. And we want to be careful and we want to be victorious in Jesus because the alternative is a destructive path in our life that God knows will only hurt us. Now, God knows he's forgiven you through Jesus, but he doesn't want you to suffer. It's like a parent saying to a child, don't go that way, I went that way. You ever said that parents thought that? Like, and it could be pride. I remember driving with my oldest son to PDCI, and I'd be like, oh, be careful of this, be careful of that. Oh, Dad, come on. I'm like, listen, I'm only telling you because what it did in my life, Right? Oh, you think I'd struggle with that? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> because you're a human being, just like me. So, that is really important as we set the stage. Because don't think temptation, falling asleep in the garden. Think temptation, anything in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing or thinking that God wants you to have victory over. Okay, so that's really, really important this morning. So the verse we kind of want to embark upon that is when Jesus says to them, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, in many prayer meetings, I think it was the fact that they fell asleep 
because I have fallen asleep in many prayer meetings. I have gone to a lot of prayer meetings in my life. And sometimes I'm just on the couch, and Bob would visit me, or I'm praying with GR. I just cock my head back a little bit. And I'm glad they pray for a long time, because I'm able to wake up by the time they say amen. But anyways. And sometimes I'm even trying to keep myself awake, you know, like you're driving at night and you're like, man, open the window, I got to keep my eyes open, wet my eyes, you know, sometimes. And I don't think it's falling asleep. But the point is, if we don't have a spirit of prayer, the alternative is difficult, and I'll explain that as we go. The first thing I want to tell you, though, when we talk about temptation, is temptation is not a singular event, but temptation is a process. And sometimes we think, I'll be temptation in the moment. I'll stay awake. No. Jesus says here, watch and pray lest you be not in into temptation. You ever wondered about that in the Lord's Prayer? Where he says, lead me not into temptation. It's not, help them not to fall into temptation. He's saying, watch and pray lest you enter temptation. But then you're like, wow, don't we all face temptation? Like James chapter 1. Like, temptation is common to man. We know that. So what is he saying, this enter business? What does it mean to enter temptation? What is that all about? Why is he saying, watch and pray? If you wait to the last moment in your fight against sin, I will tell you right now, you will lose. Every single time. If you enter into the thoughts of temptation, let me give you an example. If you struggle wasting time on the computer or looking stuff that you shouldn't, and you know you shouldn't turn that baby on, and you turn it on and you say to yourself, oh, but I won't look at that. I won't look at this for a long time. Maybe in times past, you need to enter into that. And I'm not saying that's for everyone, only if you feel convicted. It's just for an example. The moment you embrace that and say, oh, I'll just look a little bit, and then you look at your watch and you say, oh, I'll get off, you're not going to beat it in the moment of heaviness if you let it get that far. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? And that's why Jesus says, don't even enter or don't be led into temptation. I don't want to be long this morning, but I want to give you a lot of examples. For instance, if we had a door here, well, there's a door there. I was going to bring in a door, but that seemed a little too much. Maybe I'll just do the knocking sound. Um, you're at a door, whether to enter or for someone to come in, and there's a knock at that door, and we'll say that's the beginning of temptation. And temptation's at the door. And temptation isn't a door and it's knocking. What Jesus is saying, at that moment, you have a choice. If you will enter into that, and you will ask Mr. Temptation to come in, and you say, Mr. Temptation, will you grab a seat? Why don't we have a little talk today? But I'm okay, I'm not going to fall. I won't do that, but it's okay. He was knocking, and you know what? Let's just have a little talk, and you sit down, and temptation is trying to sell you sin. And the knock is there, and you let him, and you have a conversation, and you hang around with temptation. What I'm telling you is, you're going to buy the goods. 
If temptation is a, a vacuum salesman, the reality is you got to stop at the door because if that goes in, you will buy the product. Oh, I don't buy the product, right? Like, I don't buy stuff. You know, you could show me your stuff, I'm not going to buy it. Most people do buy it if the salesman gets in his wisdom says, when the knock happens, that is the beginning of the choice for you to decide, I will not answer when these thoughts come. Because these thoughts are common to men and women. Have you ever driven along and had a crazy thought and you're thinking, where did that thought come from? I didn't want to think that thought. I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to think of that person, whatever it is. I didn't want to think da-da-da-da-da-da, and it just flows up here. The moment you grab onto that thought and invite that thought into your life, and you focus on that thought, James chapter 1 would say very clearly, your desires meet the salesman of temptation, and it comes together and it births sin. So it's not the thought that originally comes to you that is sin, but it's when your desires, it says in James chapter 1, grab that thought, embrace that, gives birth to death. If you will continually think temptation is just an event, you will lose every time. You have to understand what Jesus is saying, and he's saying very clearly, you cannot, you cannot answer, you cannot enter, you cannot let it in. But this is very difficult. This is very difficult. This is where the battle is. And we look at the life of Jesus in regards to the garden and his temptation about the cross. The battle was at the cross, but the victory was won in the garden. Because that's when it began. So when you hear that knock, what is the alternative to defeat? So instead of embracing sin, you turn 180, and I'm going to point myself to God and communicate with Him. I'm going to watch for the knock, and then I'm going to respond in this journey and I'm going to turn to you and say, God, I need your help. Again, you will not win on your own. I don't care how strong you think you are. Be where you stand, lest you... Even if you look at this, the spirit is willing. Let me explain this to you. But the flesh is weak. Basically, if you look in the Greek, is willing, is eager... Before I enter into temptation, I feel I am strong enough to beat it. That's what it's saying. That I have the strength. You know how many times I've been that through people with, who struggle with sin? And they're doing really well. And they're not in the midst of that salesman calling called temptation and sin. And they're just in a prayer meeting. And they're like, I can defeat it. And this sin's got no power over me. So many times. And yet the knock comes. And the flesh and the word means this, is unfirm, is unstrengthened, is weak, 
it will fail. Now think of this, so you have temptation, I got it, I'm on this, my spirit is willing, I'm emotionally powered up, I got this baby. Then comes the knock, maybe not once, twice, three times, because the devil doesn't give up. All of a sudden, we're not so firm, so strong, and we give in, and we enter, and we say, no, 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 it's okay. And we justify step one. I can be mad. I can be selfish. I'm the only one who does th anything around here anyways. I can get a little upset because I don't want to think about the big things all of a sudden. Or I can give in to fear. Well, don't I have a right? Don't you see the trouble there, God? Don't you see the trouble? I have to be afraid because... That's a good thing because it will drive me to do the right thing. And we justify step one in answering the door thinking, no, 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 it's okay. And the devil lies to you. He lies to you, Adam and Eve. Oh, we're not supposed to take that fruit, Eve said. Oh, who said that? Did he actually say that? Doesn't it look good? And again and again, the battle begins. And we begin to listen to the voice of the evil one and listen to the voice of temptation instead of turning around and doing a 180 at the beginning. And if you get in a conversation, you will lose. But at that point, you call out and ask for his help. Jesus knew this. Jesus is our perfect example. Jesus, in his flesh, did not want to go to the cross. He saw the difficulty. He saw embracing all of the sin. He saw separation from God. He saw the physical pain. And he said, if there is any other way. And he's doing that battle at the beginning so he doesn't enter in anymore. And he simply says this, listen, in the end, not my will, but yours be done. He comes to the point in prayer to battle temptation instead of being cozy with the idea that I can carry on and there is another way. He quickly dismisses that and says, no, I'm turning to God. And then he turns to his disciples and say, boys, this is your opportunity to beat it in prayer. And what was the result? The disciples failed. Peter, I'm standing up. Hey, these guys might leave you, but I'll never leave you. Hey, listen, I'm Peter. I don't care what they are. I'm the rock. You said I was the rock, and I'm not going to leave you, and I'm strong enough, and my spirit's willing, and I'm feeling good right now. We just had the last supper, and bring it on, baby. And yet, when he had the time to pray, when temptation was beginning... He couldn't stay awake. And then a servant girl asks him later on, hey, weren't you with him? A teenager. Someone he shouldn't have been scared of. Weren't you? Oh, what are you talking about? I don't even know who that is. He fell on his face in sin. He denied Christ. And Jesus knew it was coming. Watch and pray, Peter. And this is probably a lesson he learned after this fact for the rest of his life. When faced with temptation, thoughts, 
I'm going to cut it off early and I'm going to turn to God and I won't embrace these thoughts, but I will fight them. Another example from Scripture. One who succeeded in temptation is Joseph, as you know. Potiphar's wife. Do you remember that story? And often when I read that, I've said this before, Potiphar's wife, she's probably like really old. Like it was easy to scat and run, right? She's probably homely or in a wheelchair or something, right? I think she was one hot mama. Like I think he faced temptation. I think it was reality. And here these thoughts come and she keeps approaching him. And finally he decides, listen, I can't embrace this. Hey, let's have a discussion. How you doing? How's it going with Potiphar? Oh, I know he's mean. I'm not. He doesn't embrace that. Do you know what it says? He turns and he gets out of Dodge and he leaves his clothes in the process. As it says in the New Testament, he fleed, he ran, he got out of it. He didn't embrace it and live with it and decide to have a conversation with it. But he said, I cannot, I cannot, in view of who God is and his name, bring any badness to who God is and I'm going to get out of here. And on the flip side, you have David who failed with Bathsheba, but the sin wasn't when he called Bathsheba, or the battle, excuse me, of course that was sin, but the battle was when he didn't go to war. It was the springtime. He was supposed to be in war, and he shouldn't have been on his roof, and he shouldn't have looked twice when he saw her bathing. He had a choice back then, at the beginning, not to enter into this temptation, but rather do what he was supposed to do, go to battle. And if you're on your roof and you see her, get back downstairs. And tell one of your servants, go tell her, put some clothes on. But he embraced it. He thought of it. Looked twice. You see the difference? What scripture would say, not to, I don't think Potiphar's wife was any less good looking in the mind of Joseph as Bathsheba was to David. And it's not that sin, it's any sin. And sin's trying to destroy you and give you consequences and take you away from a deeper relationship with God. And God says the alternative is to pray and not embrace. Angry people, angry thoughts. Look what happened to me. Unforgiveness, not forgiving. And the devil will tell you, look what they did. Look what they did. You want to embrace what people have done to you and live in that offense and that unforgiveness? You will get angry and bitter. And God says, you have a choice to turn and look to me and see that you're forgiven. You see how it works? Look what my spouse isn't doing. And we can live in complaining or we can live in graciousness because we can turn to God and see how gracious He is with us. It doesn't matter the, what the thing is. It matters your response. Door one, embrace. Door two, turn and pray. I want to add things in scriptures that help. By the way, if you have trouble praying on your own when temptation is there... Why don't you call somebody to pray for you? You know, we love to fight on our own, but we always lose when we fight on our own. And we love to isolate. But the Proverbs would say it is the fool who isolates. I don't know if you're a teenager or a child. Child, if you're tempted, grab a parent, 
parent, if you're tempted, grab your spouse. If that doesn't work, grab someone in the church, give them a text, call them and say, listen, I am struggling and I can't do this and I'm tempted right now. Please, would you pray for me? Well, I can't do that. Why couldn't you do that? Because they'll know I struggle with sin. <laughs> well, have you ever truly done that? Maybe you can't turn on your own and you ask someone, help me turn. I need your help. I'm going to fail. Let me tell you something. The more you keep things in the dark, the more you will fail in temptation. And there might be someone in this room right now failing in temptation and sin, and it's in the dark. And the moment you bring it in the light, the moment the devil loses his power. The moment you bring it in the light, and it doesn't matter how base it is or how bad it is. Sometimes people call me, oh, I, don't, I, just, I can't confess this, I don't have my problem. They're like, you can't believe I struggle with this. And I, that my one line is, listen, you can't tell me something I haven't heard. You cannot tell me something I have not heard. And I haven't been at this for 20 years, but just 10 years, and people are people, and people struggle with ugly things. Well, if the pastor knows I struggle with this and all that. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun, amen? And you, just like it's asking the body of Christ, someone, if they go to this church or not, who's a believer that you trust, and you say, listen, I need help. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's bitterness. It's lying. It's ripping my employer off because I'm daydreaming. Whatever the conviction is in your life, it's social media, it's television, it's movies. It could be anything. But the problem is, we need to be open and honest and stop coming in that door like, yeah, I am a Christian. Because that's the biggest lie in the whole wide world. You want to come have fellowship and not be vulnerable and honest? That's not fellowship at all. That's a social activity. And church doesn't work good as a social activity. Because when you come in that door, or believers gather together, the Lord's there. It's a home group or prayer meeting, or you're meeting someone with coffee. Because as believers gather together, the Lord's there. What you want is God's presence to help you. What you want is God in the midst of you to empower you, to live the way He wants to live, to bring glory to His name. Aren't we refreshed when people are honest and bring light? And when we see victory, how great it is. Too bad David didn't call out in the moment on the roof. I need help. Well, first and foremost, we pray. We're watching. We get the help we need. One last point today. One last point today. I find it interesting. In the two times when Jesus was tempted here in Luke chapter 4, remember when he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil? Know that story, right? It's very interesting in that story that at the end of it, and even here in Luke 22, when Jesus is tempted in the garden, as he calls out to God, what does God do? He sends an angel to strengthen 
Jesus. You ever think about that? He gets through this and it says the angels ministered to him. Or here in the garden in Luke, it says, as he was in agony, God sent an angel to strengthen him. And here's what I want you to know. As you pray and call out to God, not to enter into temptation, that God is faithful to give you the help you need. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, you'll call out for help. Well, I don't believe in angels today. That was in Bible times. Really. We know so little about the supernatural and the strength God can give. And it might not come in the physical form of an angel, but you might find strength that you never had before. Because God will hear and God will answer your prayer. If he did it for Jesus, he'll do it for you. And I believe in the spiritual realm, God will give you some form of strength that you will not have in the natural. I can remember times in my life, whether it was worry or whatever it was, that God was even so faithful to warn me and then strengthen me when I needed the help. And I can remember times just crying, God, what are you doing? I need your help. And for some crazy reason, he begins to work out that issue. Did I see an angel? I don't know. But I saw something happening. Do you believe that as you call out to God, that he can answer you and strengthen you and minister to you, that you will not fall? Because you've asked him for his help. God isn't like, oh, I don't want to help my kids. Why do we think that? Like, he's some distant father. God is waiting for you to ask for help. It's like your kids, they're struggling, and you're just like, oh, I hope they ask me. I know the solution to this problem. But God will not interfere until you ask. He will allow things to happen so that you'll learn a lesson. He doesn't tempt you, but he allows temptation to happen. But he wants to strengthen you and make you stronger. And I'm here to tell you that temptation never stops. The thoughts never sin less, but you see your sin as greater. And God starts to get right down into your heart. And he wants to know if you're going to trust him, if you're going to call out to him, or you're going to invite Mr. Temptation in. Now it says in the book of Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because of that, you can be come before his throne with boldness to receive mercy and grace in the time of need. That's God's word. Oh, Jesus doesn't know how I feel. He's never been through this. Lie. He's not giving me help in this situation. He's saying, you have 
24-7 appointment with me available to come to my grace, which is my unmerited favor. You gotta come. See, you gotta pray. He is willing and ready for you. God's word isn't there to say just this, to not do it. He says it because he will do it. James chapter 4. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look at Jesus. He submitted. He went into the wilderness. He was tempted by sin. He resisted the devil, and the devil said, I'm out of here till another time. That's God's word. That's God's word for us. Obey him. Submit. Realize sin is a problem. Resist the devil. I'm not going to open the door. And he will stop knocking. And then he says, draw near to me. This is Jesus. And I will draw near to you. I've been a Christian 50 years, 60 years, 40 years, 6 months. It doesn't matter. The battle will come this week. Oh, I'm so sure of it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're going to be in battle. Hey, you're going to answer the door or are you going to turn to Jesus? You're going to pray? You're going to call? You're going to fight? I remember calling one of my children who was struggling with something. It's like, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard, Dad. And it wasn't some big thing. It's the things in here, right? The things in here. And I just like, boy, get up and fight. And I ain't going to give you any sympathy. Because we all face it. Because we're all in a battle. But we all can be victorious. Because Christ lives in us. So you're going to come to me? It's too hard. I'm going to say, well, I'll be a little more gentle. <laughs> come on. Come on. Don't enter into that. Let's turn to Jesus. Because you can have victory. Because you have victory. Because God is on your side. Amen? So Lord Jesus, what is it in our lives this morning? It's not great to hear a message and not apply it, so I want to take a moment of silence. What is it that you are being tempted with Everyone could be a different thing. You know your own lives. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. If there is any temptation in any way that we face this week or we know we'll face, Holy Spirit, would you just point it out to us? So now, on your own, just listening to God or thinking through the power of His Holy Spirit, however you want to say it, what is the temptation in your life that you're facing? There is no excuse. Everyone can think of something. Whether you're eight years old or 78. Here's what Jesus would say to you now that you know. Watch Watch for these thoughts. 
and pray. Lest you enter into the process of temptation. You know what it is? And pray. Turn to Him. Turn away. Turn away from those thoughts. Don't embrace them. God will give you victory. It might be hard, but you can trust Him. Thank you, Jesus. We're so glad that you beat temptation in the garden and you went to the cross that you would give us victory. This morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you've been to church for a long time. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is all new. Maybe your family was Christian. But do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you understand His forgiveness? Have you trusted Him with all your heart? Have you confessed that to other people? I believe the Holy Spirit is moving this morning and it's your opportunity. There comes a point where you proclaim your trust and your commitment to Jesus. Is that you this morning? Just simply say this to Him. Lord, I believe You. I trust You. I really do. I've sensed Your presence in my life. I know I'm forgiven. Please come in. I accept your forgiveness. I believe in your love. As you do that this morning, you are saved according to the word of God. As you believe in Jesus Christ that he came, died and rose again. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. The kingdom of God is within you as you trust in Him and heaven is your destination. I'd encourage you to tell someone after the service. Just grab them. Talk to me. I'd love to celebrate with you. He was. That He died for our sins and no longer do we look at ourselves but we look at Him and we praise Him. Because as we read, he truly has taken our mourning, our disgusting rags, our sin, and he's turned them to joy because we're forgiven. We're going to celebrate that this morning as we do each Sunday. His blood and his body, this isn't ritual. This is a reminder for us to just give him praise that we're forgiven and we're free. Hmm. The elements are in the back. Randy's going to sing. Please quietly, respectfully, as you're worshiping the Lord and praising Him, you may retrieve them. Come back to your seat and think on Him as you sing, and we'll partake together. If you need prayer for anything, or you want to tell someone that you've chosen to follow Jesus, there'll be men and women in the back. Let's worship the Lord together now.